Worship, brilliant. Yeah. It was great to be here sharing with this one. I don't know if you've been able to come over the last couple of weeks and hear Christian talking about overflow. I just found it absolutely brilliant. And then last, last week was the vision, Vision Sunday. Wow, I don't know if you were here. If you weren't, I really encourage you to go onto the website and look at the video and also listen to the podcast. Absolutely amazing. You know, we are so blessed to have good, strong, visionary leadership in our fellowship. And um, today I want to share a little encouragement, bring a little teaching, share a word from the Bible about what I believe were some great opportunities for people, uh, for everyone in 2017. But before I open up the Bible, I just want to share two little stories about two people who, for the ease of reference, for my ease of reference, I'm going to refer to as Bill and Ben. Now, what I'd really like you to do is substitute Bill and Ben for your names. So just imagine when I refer to Bill, it's your name. Because although Bill and Ben are masculine uh, names, um, the principles I'm going to be talking to are not gender-specific. They, they can relate to any age, any sex. So I'm going to be talking about principles, but I'm just using the name Bill and Ben. I want you to imagine that you can put yourselves in their shoes. Talking about their shoes, Bill and Ben used to wear size 13 boots. <laughs> they only took size 9, but they liked to slob a lot. <laughs> now, now, you see, half of... Half, Half of you laughed at that because you realised that Bill and Ben used to be a TV programme many, many years ago about two flowerpot men called Bill and Ben and they used to slob a lot. Half of you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about because it was a TV programme from years ago. And it just really reminded me, you know, that the leadership have a real responsibility that when we stand on this platform to be culturally relevant... We don't want to be outdated that only half of the, the older generation understand what we're talking about and the younger generation don't. We don't want to be so far in the future that nobody actually grasps the vision we want to go to. And I can almost guarantee that everyone, every person that stands on this platform will talk and preach from the Bible because the Bible is timeless. And I'm going to do that. But before, but before, sorry, but before I get, come to the Bible, I just want to share these stories, but I'm going to pray first. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Help me, Jesus, to share your love, your grace, your compassion. Give us all a sense of the purpose and destiny that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Bill and Ben. (coughs) Now, these stories I'm going to tell you about Bill and Ben were some time ago before mechanisation. So it was about manual labour rather than sitting behind a machine pressing buttons. And Bill was a young man. And his first job, believe it or not, was installing telegraph poles. And the first day on the, on the job, the foreman came to him, gave him his spade, and he says, right, quite simple, you follow this line on the road, and wherever there is an X marked, you dig a hole, install the telegraph pole, move on to the next X. You dig a hole, install the telegraph pole. Walk on to the next. Simple instructions. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, great. So there, Bill goes off and he starts digging. At the end of the day, the foreman comes up to him and says, how have you got on, Bill? And he says, fantastic. 
I've really enjoyed fresh air, manual light. I've really enjoyed it. The foreman said to him, great. How many telegraph poles have you installed? He said, three. And the manager says, three, only three. Everybody else on the work gang has done 18 to 20. And Bill said, yeah, but look how much they've left sticking up. (laughs) Now, it's a silly story, but it's got a principle. In that the foreman assumed that he knew what Bill knew what a telegraph pole was. You know, over the years, I've been a Christian now for over 30-odd years. And I've been to different churches, and I've been in different kinds of leadership. Now, I've recognised over the years that many people are like Bill. They turn and understand that they go on this journey of wanting to be a Christian, wanting to follow Jesus. And they start digging. They start digging They think they know what they're doing, but they've never actually been told. Sometimes the church, unfortunately, has left them stranded. So they start digging and they get onto a bit of stony ground and it gets hard work. And then they get onto rocky ground and it gets really hard work until they say, that is too much for me. And they leave the church frustrated because they've not been given the right guidance and the right tools of how to go deeper in their faith with God. That is why, to read the church, we are determined to follow this growth track, to go and grow and serve the Lord, to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. We believe that we are going to give you the right tools so that you can then grow individually and as a church, corporately. So let me open up the word. Can we turn to Luke 10, 27, please? The same story is also in Matthew 22, 33. <coughs> Excuse me. So I just want to set the scene before we just read this. The Pharisees and the Sadducees have been trying to trick Jesus. And they kept coming to him with different questions saying, you know, should we pay our taxes to the Romans? And Jesus says, you know, well, who's on the coin? You know, render unto Caesar what's unto Caesar. And Jesus kept coming back and coming back. And then this lawyer came to him. And he said, um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question to ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what is written in the law? What is your understanding of it? And he replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the man went on and said, well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus had to go on to explain about the parable of the Good Samaritan. I haven't got time to go into that this morning, but if you've not heard that, then go to your Bible when you get home and just read about the parable of the Good Samaritan. But I just want to concentrate on the question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And that seems quite simple instructions, doesn't it? When you first read that, you say, yeah, that seems quite easy to do. But when you come to put it into practice, that's a different thing. I love the Lord God with all my heart, but do I love him with all my money? (laughs) You may have heard people talking about tithe, paying a tithe to the church, a tenth of what they earn every week or every month and year in, year out. I love the God. I love you, God, but that is a lot of money. How can I actually pay my bills if I'm tithing? How does that work out in practice? 
I love you, God, with all my mind, except when life gets on top of me. And I get depressed, and then I turn to other things to comfort me, like drink or, or drugs or whatever. Or love my neighbour. Love my neighbour. I don't even like my neighbour. How can I possibly love my neighbour? How can that possibly work out? And many people new to their faith have struggled with these questions and sadly a lot of churches have not equipped them with the tools to help them work it out and work it through. So at Arena Church, the leadership understand that problem. The leadership acknowledge that on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening, we have about 30 to 40 minutes to engage with you and try to give you some encouragement, some tools that will help you discover to know God, to find freedom, to discover your purpose and make a difference. But we understand 30 minutes, 40 minutes, once a week is not enough. So that's why we've been deliberate to roll out small groups. Because in small groups, that is where you can ask these questions. In small groups, you can turn around and say, well, how do, how do I begin to tie that? I've got all my, my money's a mess. How do, I, how do I even start that? You can turn around to a small group and say, well, how, how do I love my neighbour? How do I do it practically? How do you do it? Show me. You see, just going back to Bill a minute, I don't blame Bill for doing all that work. He got a good work ethic. He, had do- he perhaps worked harder than everybody else on the, on the gang. But it was misguided. And it wasn't effective or efficient. I blame the foreman. The foreman should have said, right, Bill, this is your first day. I'm going to put you alongside John. See what John does. Then John will see you doing one. And then once you know what you do, off you go. And that's what small groups is about. That's what small groups is about. It's exactly what it's about. It's about people getting together, people journeying together, getting together with people and sharing life, getting together with people you come to trust so that you feel comfortable enough to ask those hard questions. Well, how do I, how do I love my neighbor? You show me. And together as a small group, you begin to know God better. You begin to find freedom from all the things that have held you back over the years. You begin to discover your purpose, the reason why you are here. So that then you are ready, equipped and trained to make a difference in the world. Some people uh, I've spoken to have been on growth track. And I think it's brilliant. And I know that some people still say, well, I'm still not quite sure what my purpose is. And I remember talking to somebody years ago now, and uh, this lady said to me, I don't know what my purpose is. I haven't haven't had time to discover my purpose because I've been raising five children. And I said, well, do you think you're a good parent? So he said, oh, yeah, yeah, all my children have grown up and they're quite respectful and quite thoughtful. I said, great, that's your purpose. Get into a small group, get alongside somebody who's having trouble parenting. And just begin to just share and just begin to show them and talk to them how to be a better parent. That's discovering your purpose. Some people, you know, I know I've had conversations with people and said, well, you know, I'm not rich. I haven't got really any gifts. I don't, you know, I can't preach. I can't do worship or anything like that. I just don't. But I, I know how to tithe. I've had financial difficulties in the past, but I got through it, and now I'm tithing now. That's fantastic. Get into a small group, 
Get alongside somebody who has got financial difficulties and just begin to share your life experience. Just begin to share with them, talk with them, help them through and show them different processes that you've gone through to get you into financial freedom. You can only do that through small groups. As a small group, you begin to know God better. You begin to find freedom from all the things that have held you back. So, let me go on to talk about Ben. Now, Ben was an, uh, uh, an elder, older gentleman, quite wise. Now, Ben used to chop down the, uh, the trees that were used for the telegraph poles. Now, Ben was the oldest guy on the, on the gang. There was about 15 guys, all of them in the 20s, but Bill, he was in his 50s. But he was still trim. And, what are you laughing at? And um, <laughs> he was always, he was always number one for chopping down trees. Nobody could beat him. Nobody could beat him at all. And all these young books, these young strong men, rippling with muscles, six packs, used to try and beat Ben. But Ben, week in, week out, always came number top, number one, at chopping down these trees. So one young man thought, I'm going to watch and I'm going to copy what Bill does. So he stood next to the tree and there they have this great big forestry commission and all the guys are lined out and they've got their allocation of trees for the day. The foreman blows his whistle, Ben picks up his axe and he starts chopping. Everybody starts chopping the trees and more or less every tree went down at the same time. And then Ben, he sits down on the tree, on the, on the stump that he just just chopped down, took out a file, and started to sharpen his axe <coughs> while having a breather. By this time, all the young men had rushed onto their second tree. By the time Bill stood up, some of the fell the second tree were onto the third tree. And this young man watching uh, Ben said, I can't understand how Ben is always so top, because everybody's leaving him behind. But Ben goes to the next tree, chops it down, sits on this stump, and then gets the file out, and start sharpening. As the day goes on, this young man thinks that Ben is getting far behind. Now there's three or four, four or five trees behind the, the young men. But as the day grew on, he, he began to notice something. He began to see that young men starting to work really hard. They're having to really work very, very hard now. Because they weren't sharpening, taking the time out to sharpen their axe. And soon Ben not only caught up with them, he overtook them because they were having to work really hard and doing the same work over and over again just blunted their axe. Again, I've met many Christians in my time who have started off with such a, a passion to do something for God. But sooner or later they get burnt out, worn down because they never take the time to just sit down and sharpen their spiritual axe. Take a breather. They have been so busy doing the stuff that needed doing, but never taking out a time. Can I be strong and bold as to say this, that if anybody is in any kind of leadership in Arena Church, you need to keep your spiritual axe sharp. You can try and do this alone, you can try and do it on yourself. And everybody should read the Bible themselves. But 
if you're in any kind of leadership in, in, in Arena Church, we are chopping away at the roots of stuff, dealing with moody people, chopping away at roots of frustration, ungodliness, worldliness, addictions, then you need to join a small group where your axe head can be resharpened, where you meet with and discuss how to deal with problem roots, where you meet and discuss to say, well, how do I deal with this significant tree trunk that's in the way? It's almost impossible to do it alone. But you've heard the expression, teamwork makes the dream work. I believe that. I do. There's a proverb, chapter 27, verse 17 says this. Hopefully it'll come on. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. The message puts it this way. You use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. So you keep yourself sharp and help others to keep sharp. But how do you do that? You do that by joining a small group. The leadership's desire in 2017 is to see growth, not just numerically, but in all areas of church life, individual's life, as well as in the corporate life. We're not called to settle or become comfortable, but to grow. So as our church starts to grow larger, and it will do, I can guarantee it if we put in this structure in place, I can guarantee it will grow. But we also need to go smaller at the same time. So if we don't go smaller, we lose that family feel. You know when there's about 100, 150 people, you can almost feel like a family. You get to know each other. You know when people are up or where people are down, and you can help people. But when you get over 200, 300, over 300, you don't know people. And one of the greatest delights in my life, I walked in the other Sunday morning. I was greeted by three or four people with Here to Help t-shirts on. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know who they were. I think that's fantastic. That is absolutely brilliant. That shows you that a church is growing. Yeah. And we need to understand that to grow bigger, we also need to grow smaller. Yeah. Andy Stanley, who leads one of America's most successful churches, says it like this. I've got my glasses on for this bit. Life change happens in circles, not rows. Small groups, small numbers of people meeting together to do life so that when they all come together for a Sunday service, life changes are already happening and people come together to worship God and say thank you for what has been accomplished during the week. Craig Rochelle, Pastor of Life Church, calls his small group leaders the heroes of our mission because these groups or how God's love and power become evident in our churches, to our neighbours, co-workers, families and friends. Without healthy small groups, our churches become large, yet divided and powerless. Instead of evidencing Christ, they might leave a bad religious taste in the world's mouth. The first church grew like mad. If you begin to read the book of Acts, you know that Jesus started with 12 disciples. And at the first chapter of Acts, there's about 120 in the church. By the end of the second chapter of Acts, that number has grown to over 3,000. And at the epicenter of the tremendous growth was small groups. 
Acts 2 says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as if a rushing, rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. Not church, house. Philemon, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our, brother, our beloved friend and fellow labourer, to the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla, greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Are you beginning to understand that it started off 2,000 years ago when Jesus modelled how to know God, how to find freedom, how to discover the purpose, how to make a difference. It's a historical fact. It works. And at the, the centre of these small groups, at the time this growing and multiplying, the scriptures reveal six ways early believers experience rapid growth. I'm going to use the word growth. I wish Phil was here because I've got, <laughs> I've got six points with a word. We miss Phil, don't we? We really need to keep praying for him whilst we're over at Manchester. And it starts with G. Generous living, 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 living. You know, you know, you cannot be generous to yourself. Selfishness. You can't say, oh, I'm going to be generous today and buy a big box of chocolates just for myself. <laughs> you can't be generous at times in a large... If I got a packet of sweets out now and said, would you like to pack the sweets round? The first three rows would be think, thinking, great, what a generous guy he is. The rest of you would be thinking, hmm, where's my sweet? Sometimes it's hard to be generous in a large group, but in a small group, your generosity can make a huge difference to people's lives. So the generous, generous living. Ah, oh, regular fellowship. There's nothing more I enjoy than getting together with friends. But when those friends also love Jesus Christ, then there's a heart link. Something extraordinary happens, and life changes begin to happen. That's when, when you meet with people who love God, you meet regularly with them, you just, just bounce off each other. You just encourage one another. You do it almost without saying words. Something special happens. Regular fellowship. Oneness in worship. When two or more gather together, Jesus in, is in our midst. Do I need to say anything more about worship other than it's just not about singing songs? I mean, it's great about when we do worship singing songs, but that's not the be-all and end-all of worship. It's about heart attitude towards God and towards each other. When we realise what Jesus Christ suffered for us, the shame and humility of a false trial, being sentenced to death by being whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross, not for what he had done, but for what we had done. That's about worship, coming together. How can we fail to worship together as one when we understand what Jesus has done for us? W, wise teaching. We should never under, underestimate the power of the Bible. How we interpret the Bible is so important. Very often you get in, in, in areas, in the small group, where you, you're perhaps just discussing something in the Bible. And if you really get a problem, you know, as a small group leader, if you get a problem, you say, don't be afraid to say, I don't know the answer, but I'll find out. I know somebody who does. I'm always available if you want to ask me, but if it's something particularly about the Bible... And email Phil, because Phil is the Bible. He's the Bible guy. 
whilst teaching tenacious prayer, the power of prayer. That's again why the leadership has started prayer meetings. We know and understand that anything worth of God, worthy of God, has got to be based on prayer. Solid foundation. That should be an important part in small groups. And finally, the Holy Spirit power. Without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit guidance and direction, praying in tongues, what's all that about? In small groups, you can find out. You can practice in safety. Get into a small group. So in the early church, growth happened in and through small groups. That's a historical fact. We want to enable people who have been, who have a passion to do something. Now, I've not said from word go, right, Arena Church, this is what small groups look like. This is what you should do. This is what you must do. Because in the Arena Church, the leadership understand that we don't want to set small groups in blocks of concrete. We don't be so predict, you know, so prescriptive that you can't do something that you want to do. If you've got a passion in your heart to do something, then we say go for it. So if you want to, I don't know, if you like playing badminton, and you get together with you know four or five people from work or some friends, and every week you play badminton, well, you can turn that into a small group. If you like doing jigsaws or chain sets or whatever your passion is. We would say, well, get together with one or two people and make a small group out of it. Being in, in, um, intentional about what you're doing. Yeah. All we would ask is that you attend growth track yeah. and small group leaders training, which takes just a couple of hours on the Sunday after the growth track finishes. So it's just like a rolling training session. And, of course, you get, <laughs> you get a meal for it. <laughs> then you just register your group at Resource Hub. So, we know that as a small group leader, you will be expected to have the heart of Arena Church, obviously, uh, and to understand our DNA and what makes Arena Arena. And, and the, at the heart of every small group is the ESPNO. Christian talked about this last time, last week. The, uh, the ESPNO. 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 E is encouragement, S is spiritual, P is for prayer, N is for next... Oh, oh, oh that's outreach. Um, so, you're going to be singing that song all, all morning now, aren't you? ESPNO. I know, yeah. But that's what it's about. ESPNO. Do we take small group leadership seriously? Of course we do. We'd expect you to. You would expect us to, wouldn't you? Because a small group leader has an influence. He's a pastor, a leader, a shepherd of that small flock. So we obviously have high standards, but we don't make any apologies for that. We understand that not everybody is, is made to be a small group leader. But we would expect that you would have some Bible knowledge. You don't have to go to Matthew or have a degree or anything like that. But you have to have a desire to have a relationship with people. Be able to facilitate discussions. Never be afraid to say, ah, I don't know the answer. Every small group will be asked to, a small group leader will be asked to attend a cluster meeting where the small group leaders are expected to attend so support and prayers can be offered, where teaching and guidance can be found, and you can make yourselves accountable to the leadership. So we are saying right from here, please don't think that small groups is all about meeting on a Thursday night and just having a Bible study. That is great. If you want to do that, that's fantastic. I think a lot of things happen in those small groups. But if you've got some other interest, if you like walking, fishing, 
golf, whatever interest it is, we are saying to you, be intentional and turn it into a small group. Because you meet with friends that I would never be able to meet with. And when you meet with your friends, all right, so you're going to play badminton, you've got your badminton racket, do you have your Bible stuck from your arm? <laughs> the Lord says, no, no, come on, let's, let's, let's be sensible. We're not saying that. But what we're saying is that you'd be intentional about why you're doing it. So that you can, you know, I uh, go on a walking group. We've got a walking group at Mansfield called Footsteps. And so we meet as a leadership team and we pray before we meet up as leaders. We pray before we go on the walk so that the people who come on the walk can just begin, hopefully, experience something different about us that's different to the world. So that's what about being a small group leader is all about. Before I finish, I just want to invite two people onto the stage. Bob, uh, Ty, if you'd like to come up now, Bob, and then Helen Tavardi, if you'll just make your way uh, in a minute. So just give Bob a round of applause. Microphone, Judy. Sorry. Hi, Bob. Now, Bob has been a small group leader for uh, a while now. Yeah. And uh, doing a fantastic job with Mandy. Um, Tell me what excites you about your group. Um, Okay. It's um, what excites me about the group. There's lots of things, really, to be fair. It's seeing people change. Yeah. Um, Relationships are growing. You've used the word relationships. Um, And also, what excites us is the fact that we're growing. Uh, we find it a real challenge. It's, um, you can't run a group and get anything out of it for the people and yourself mm. without preparation. So we're preparing a lot more. We're in the Bible more. And um, we're excited about seeing what's going to happen in the future with Brilliant. all the people that we're getting close to. Brilliant. Uh, I, I explain how being a small group leader has really stretched your personal walk then. Oh, nothing's doddle, mate. Very yep. easy. <laughs> no, what it is, um, we've tried to say we want everyone to know each other really well. Yep. Um, the idea for us is all about asset relationships. So we try and... You've said already, if someone's got a problem, yeah. they can share it to a small group. You can't come in here and say, I've got a problem, and I'll tell everybody here, because you won't do it. In a small group, once you know everybody, yeah. and we do get to know everybody, it's the most important thing. Yeah. We know each other well. So we can then share our problems. Brilliant. We can cry together. Yeah. We can pray together. Yeah. We do a lot of laughing together. Yeah. We have a good time. Brilliant. But we're friends, and we're like family together. Brilliant. Brilliant. So... What would you say to, because I know that you weren't a small group leader right from word go when we first started out small groups. You came on board later on. If there are people here thinking, oh, I don't know whether I want to be a small group, whether I can do with responsibility or whatever, what would you say to them? I say, really, first of all, you've got to pray about it. If you feel that you want to be a small group leader, you know, we can all say I feel about it, but you've got to pray to God and see if he confirms that prayer for a start. We prayed, and then someone else came to us and said, you ought to be a small group leader. That was a confirmation for us. Um, but also, I think you need, you've got to know what you, where you're going in the future. And once you've been on the, most of us have been on the, on the growth track, early leaders, once you've been on that, then you'll know your purpose. Yeah. And then you'll find that can make a difference. But in all of that, we wanted to go on a small group first. So we joined a small group, we joined Sean's. And Sean was brilliant. Gives a great example of how it should be done. We didn't copy Sean. But like we said, we're all not the same. We're not clones. Yeah. But some of the points were fantastic. And I'm all believe someone does it well, Listen to them, see if it works. Um, and it worked for us, and it made a massive difference to us. And hopefully, our group can make a difference going forward. Brilliant. Thanks, Bob. Give Bob a round of applause. <laughs> Helen. Come <laughs> on, Helen. Helen, uh, tell me about your journey to Arena Church and then into small groups. Um, 
so Jay and I moved into the area uh, February 14th. That's very romantic. <laughs> um, in 2015. <laughs> I love you. And, um, uh, so in March, we came along to Arena and um, we just kept on coming. We're here. Um, we just felt like there was life in the church. And um, there was, it was never hard to find someone to chat to. Always somebody willing to turn around, talk to us, make sure we knew where we were going. And uh, felt really welcomed. Brilliant. And um, felt like this would be a place we could really get involved in what was going on here. Brilliant. Um, but to be able to do that, we knew we needed to connect yeah. with people and make friends. Because this is a big church for us from where we came from. And um, so that's, that's when... We, we met Beth and Simon. They turned around mm. and um, very kindly invited two strangers into their home uh, for a cup of tea and some cake. And they really invested time in us. Right. And uh, we were really blessed to be able to start a home group under their leadership. Well, no, we didn't. We started with them yes. in, a, in a new group they were leading. <laughs> so, yes. um, Brilliant. Yeah. So what excites you about the small group? Um, I get... Uh, we've, Jay and I have got a really big heart for people and the thing about small groups is that it's, it's people yeah. and um, so being able to be with people, bringing Jesus into the everyday life, some of the stuff you've touched on, that iron sharp and iron mm. and walking with people and um, just being able to hear about Jesus being in the everyday yeah. and um, bringing Sunday into that relevant yeah. that day to day and um, when it's a safe place yeah and you've got the space and the ability to be vulnerable with each other, that's when, for us, that's when the relationship grows. Brilliant. And that's when friendships deepen, and you can build those friendships that really last a lifetime. Beth and Simon, I didn't know if that's what you knew you signed up for, but (laughs) you're not getting rid of us now. (laughs) So we've talked about the ESPNO of small groups. So what's the the end, the next step for you? Um, Well, being part of... Beth and Simon's group for a couple of years now. Um, we are starting our own small group um, for young adults, and we started that this week, actually. Brilliant. And so that's been really exciting. We did the, um, the growth track. We've done the small groups training, um, as you've just talked about, and we're really excited to be part of growing small groups at Arena. Yeah. Brilliant. Round of applause. <laughs> well done, Ellen. Thank you. Brilliant. Can I just ask the team to come back onto the stage? Um, small groups in Ilkeston, we already have five small groups, six now, um, bursting at the seams, but we are praying that in 2017 we'll see at least 15 small groups. We've got faith to believe the leadership have for 15, at least 15 small groups. We've got five going on six now. Some are coming online very shortly. Meeting at various times, different days, doing different things. Variety is the spice of life. All carrying the DNA and all doing the ESPNO. Small groups that know God, find freedom, find their purpose, make a difference. I just have a sense today that God wants to do some work in our lives. Hopefully, you've heard the story about Bill and Ben and the different principles there. And hopefully, it has made you think about how effective and efficiently you are working. And whereabouts you are on your journey of faith. And how sharp is your spiritual axe? 
sometimes we don't realise when we've been working for church for so long how blunt we've become. And I really believe that this morning God wants to do some work in people's lives. And every service the leadership like to offer prayer for people who want to start out on their personal journey of faith. So can I just ask, please, would you just bow your heads in prayer? Just remain quiet just for a, a few moments, just to allow God to speak to you. And I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would just come and just settle in our hearts and minds. And if there's anyone here this morning that has never made a commitment to follow Jesus, and you've been coming to church and you said, well, I understand this, no God, I want to know him better. If you feel that now is the right time to find out what it means to follow Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come out to the front. I'm just going to simply to ask you just to raise your hand. If anybody wants to follow Jesus, I'm going to pray for you. If anybody else wants to follow Jesus, thank you. Thank you. I just really get a sense that God really wants to do something with people this morning. I'm not going to rush away from this. I know time's eating away at us. But I just get a sense that God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. Father, I just thank you for the people who have raised their hands. You can put your hands down now. I just thank you for the people that have raised their hands. I thank you for being a God that cares for his people. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us all to grow deeper in our faith as we journey together, knowing you deeper, finding our freedom and purpose and making a difference in our world. Help us all to keep our spiritual edge sharp so we can be effective and efficient for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If anybody has any questions,